I hope that each and every one of you had a beautiful night's rest and that you are opening your soul to the great beauty that God has given you in bringing you to this beautiful place, this place which is so precious to Jesus and so precious to his blessed mother and to the good Saint Joseph. For the sisters who live here and work here have consecrated their whole lives to Almighty God. They have given their heart, their mind, their soul, everything that they have to Jesus through Mary. And in that, they give an example to us that all of us should follow. For we must remember that when our Lord Jesus Christ was preparing for his holy ministry, when he was living at Nazareth for so many years, that he lived all of those years in the presence of his blessed mother and in the presence of the good Saint Joseph. And more than we sometimes realize, his ministry, his teaching, his life reflected in a beautiful and powerful way what humanly he learned from them. They were the great treasures of his life. It is true that Jesus was in some ways just like everyone else. He was a hard-working carpenter. He came to the synagogue. And yet, in the midst of all of this, he had a sweetness and a devotion to his mother a faithful love for his foster father that transfigured his life and the lives of all the people who came eventually to come to know Jesus. Because for Jesus, everything was for the Father, through Our Lady, and through St. Joseph. All my life, I've loved Our Lady and St. Joseph, and I've always felt close to them and the more I look at them, the more I realize how they were enriched by having Jesus in their midst and how Jesus, humanly speaking, was so blessed to live in their presence because they had been chosen by the Father just for that mission and they were perfect for the roles that they played. Think about our Blessed Mother Outwardly, she must not have seemed different from the women of Nazareth. We know she worked very hard, and yet we know that in addition to all that, she was so much like her son. Mary must have been someone that everyone in Nazareth could have looked to as an example of what it meant to love God. She served God without sin, in perfect devotion to the Lord. And whatever she did throughout the day, whether it was her housework, or praying in the synagogue, or coming to the help of one of her neighbors, she always carried that love of God in her heart. And when people saw her son, they could very well say, he looks like his mother and even more, he acts like his mother, because they were one heart and one love. In everything he did, 
And that love for his blessed mother was present in his heart all throughout his life. When he left Nazareth to begin his ministry, he didn't leave his mother behind. We know from the Gospels that she's always there somewhere in the background, but always close to her son, always full of love for him. And because of her presence, she was able to help so many souls to welcome Jesus and to come to God. We read about that beautiful story at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry when he turned the water into wine at Cana. And we know Mary was there. And we know that when everyone else was in despair, deeply embarrassed because this young couple didn't have enough wine to serve to their guest, very quietly, very simply, she came up to her son and said, they have no wine. And she left it up to him and said to the waiters, do whatever he tells you. That's the best piece of advice you'll ever get. Do whatever he tells you. And in spite of, in the beginning, testing her faith and saying to her, woman, my hour has not yet come, for the love of her, he then began his ministry. And for the love of her, the wine flowed and joy came to people's hearts. And that was, in a way, a summary of his whole ministry. Mary was always there in the background, praying, hoping, supporting him, doing everything she could. And in the end, when he was taken to his death, she refused to be parted from him. Even though she must have suffered the most terrible insults and humiliations, even though to be the mother of a crucified victim was considered a disgrace in Israel. For her it was no shame, but was her glory and her sorrow to stand at the foot of her son's cross. And that's where she always stands. That's where she always is, at the foot of the cross in all of our lives. Whenever we have sorrow or pain or trouble, Mary is there, just as she was for her son. And this love that he had for his blessed mother was something so deep, so real in his life that I'm astonished that there are people who think that Mary is unimportant or think that we can ignore her. How can we ignore someone who was so precious to the heart of Christ. Someone whom he loved so deeply that he even entrusted her to the care of his beloved disciple when he was dying. She was always part of the ministry of Jesus. And if we love the Lord Jesus, she will be part of our lives. We will never neglect her or forget her or put her in a corner we offer all of our work to God through her. We will entrust to her our sorrows and our pains. 
We will speak to her with love as he must have spoken to her so many evenings at Nazareth. The two of them sharing their hearts with each other. And if we love the Lord Jesus, then that love will blossom in our lives into a love for Our Lady. And in fact, in my life as a priest, I've seen this with my own eyes. I've seen that the souls who truly come close to Jesus are always very close to his Blessed Mother. And that is something that we should pray for. And we should also pray that God will give us a closeness to the great Saint Joseph, whom I've always loved so deeply, even when I was a child, and whom I have come to love even more deeply as time has gone on, as I have found that it really is true what the saints tell us, that God has entrusted everything to Joseph. He loved our Lord with all of his heart. In the Gospels, he never speaks because words are not needed. His deeds spoke for him. And in his life, everything was for Jesus and for Mary. Every breath he took, every labor that he accepted, everything was for Jesus and for Mary. And that devotion of his, which was present throughout his life, is a devotion that continues even now. He loves the Lord Jesus and wants Jesus to come into our souls. He, together with our Blessed Lady, prays for each one of us that we will come to love the Lord Jesus with all of our heart and strength. I think of St. Joseph there holding the Christ child, there with Jesus as he learned to walk, there showing him at the carpenter's bench the first lessons and how to use the tools. Joseph standing in the background as his son grew to manhood. We know, of course, that at some point the Lord calls St. Joseph home. But we also know something very beautiful, that Joseph died in the arms of Jesus and Mary, as all of us hope to die, breathing out his soul in joy to God that he could give his life in their service and showing us that real happiness for each one of us comes from being devoted to Jesus. St. Joseph, in everything he did, consecrated his work to God. And as time went on, more and more people, I'm sure, saw in him a resemblance to his son. For though he was the foster father of our Redeemer, in his heart he was truly the father of Jesus. And Jesus, by loving Saint Joseph, helped Joseph to become the mirror of Christ to the world, humble, gentle of heart, hardworking and uncomplaining quietly offering his work and his sufferings to God, giving everything to God. And that is why he is still our friend, our helper, and our protector. And so often when I am troubled and I go to St. Joseph, I place everything in his hands, asking him that he will pray for me as he prayed for so many people 
and that by his prayers I will come close to Jesus and to Mary. Jesus in his life at Nazareth was in every way the perfect son. He was quietly and humbly the perfect worker. And yet we know that God wished for him at some point to lay aside his tools and to begin his public ministry. I don't think we think enough about that, how in some ways it must have been difficult for him to give up that sweetness and closeness of Our Lady and St. Joseph, to give up his quiet life at Nazareth, where God used him for the good in so many ways, and to accept the Father's will that now he step onto center stage. He comes into this world in order to save us. And for the love of us, he leaves his tools there, says goodbye to the people at home, and begins his ministry. And all of us have heard so many, many times the story of how he came to the Jordan River, how he found his cousin St. John, and to John's astonishment, asked John to baptize him. You can just imagine John's wonderment. He looked at Jesus. He knew who he was. He knew he was the Messiah, the promised one. God had given him the grace to recognize that truth. And Jesus was asking him for baptism. His words, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus says, let it be so for now. And humbly, he accepts baptism. And all the Gospels tell us that it was a moment of grace, a moment in which the heavens were open and the Father spoke, and it became clear that here is my son, my beloved. And then what do the Gospels teach us? That he went to be admired by the crowds? No. As soon as he is baptized, as soon as the Father shows his glory and calls him, he's led, in Greek, driven into the wilderness, there to face the power of evil. And all of us here in this chapel today, although we love Jesus, and we want to follow him, and that's why we're here, every one of us knows what it means to be tempted by the father of lies. He who was innocent of any crime, who had never committed a sin, who was holy in his human nature, was led by the father to confront the power of evil face to face. I've been to the wilderness where Jesus was tempted. When I was in Jericho, I looked up and saw the mountain of the temptation, stark, bare of life, utterly desolate, more lonely than we can imagine. And there in the burning wilderness, the power of evil came to him. 
using every form of temptation and suggestion to try to bring him down. And the Gospels tell us that our Lord Jesus Christ triumphed over the power of evil every time Satan tried to make an inroad. You're hungry. Turn these stones here into bread. And Jesus answers, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan leads him to the pinnacle of the temple and says, Throw yourself down. Show your power in front of everyone. And the son answers to his angels, He has given charge about you that your foot may not stumble against a stone. He leads him up a mountain and shows him the glory of all the kingdoms of the world. These are mine. I give them to whoever I wish. Bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, The Lord thy God alone shall thy worship, and him only shall they serve. And Satan was defeated, utterly defeated in his temptations. And the Gospels say, he left Jesus for a time, only for a time, there in the wilderness, surrounded by the wild beast, like Adam in the garden, the master of all he surveyed, the Lord of all creation, triumphant over evil. And our Lord teaches us, every one of us, that if we love him, then we too will have to go at some time into the wilderness. Not one of us will be able to escape temptation. It will be different for every person, but it will come to every person. At some time, at some place, in some way, you will be tempted by the power of evil not to follow Jesus Christ, not to give your life to him. How many people are tempted today and give in to the temptations? People who laugh at the idea of God, who mock religion, who spend their lives spending their money showing all the possessions that they have, boasting of their opportunities, and never giving the Lord a thought. Yes, Satan still tempts people, and yet still in the world today, by his mercy, by his grace, there are souls who, like Jesus, come out of the wilderness stronger because they have won the victory. I think of all the souls I've met during my life, the good and holy priests and sisters, the saintly mothers of families often who have suffered so much, the hardworking and devoted fathers who want their children to love the Lord, the people who sacrifice and give themselves for God, they, like Jesus, have won the victory. And that victory is available to every one of you. None of you should say, I can't help it. I've been tempted. We're all tempted. The evil one comes to each one of us, subtle and with malignant temptations. And to all of us, Jesus gives the example. Only stay close to me and you will triumph over the power of evil. 
because in this world, as powerful as Satan's temptations are, there is a power greater than that, the power of the gospel of Christ. And even now in the world today, with all its allures and temptations, there are souls who come out of the wilderness confirmed in the love of God, devoted to his service, filled with love for Jesus, wishing nothing but to follow him. I've met such souls, and so will you. And they are an example to all of us who are here today. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came out of the wilderness, first began to call his disciples to follow him. And as we read the Gospels, we read that Jesus had a genius for friendship, that he called a wide variety of people, very different themselves, yet he called all of them to come follow me. The early pages of the Gospels are filled with the stories of how Peter and Andrew and James and John, Matthew and Thomas and all the others were called by Jesus. And they came to love him, although at first he seemed unlike anyone they had ever met. At first they didn't understand the deeper meaning of his message, but he was patient with that. If only they would agree to follow him. And as they followed him, wonderful things happened in their lives. It's not just that they saw miracles, saw water turned into wine, saw the dead raised to life, saw cripples walk and the blind see and the deaf hear, but they saw the power of the gospel to transform even the worst of sinners into his followers. How could any of them forget the Magdalene at the feet of Jesus weeping for her sins and being forgiven by him and changing her entire life for the Lord. How could they ever forget the many things that happened to them? They saw his fury against evil when he cast out the money changers. They saw his tenderness when he took the children in his arms and said to them, of such the kingdom of God consists. They saw his great holiness when he would spend the whole night in prayer, and they saw his warmth and kindness as he would accept an invitation to dinner and then heal the sick who were present. They saw him as he traveled through Galilee, attracting more and more people, huge crowds hanging on his words, coming to him with their sick and poor ones finding a comfort and a healing that no one could have dared even to dream as possible. And the longer they were in his presence, the longer they were experiencing his power, the closer they came to the truth. Truly, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God, said Peter. And yet they were so weak in their faith that at the end, after all these years of traveling with him, living in his presence, watching him, they could even run away from him at the time of the Passion. 
in a way, their failure and their sin is very necessary for us to see because the truth is, whenever any one of us tries to follow Jesus, the first thing we discover is how little we know and how very weak we are. Many, many years ago, when I was praying to God as a young teenager for the grace to accept that call which I knew God was giving me to the priesthood, I remember praying in the chapel, Lord, please help me because I don't know how I'm going to do it. I know you want me to do it. Everything points to that, but I don't know how it's going to be done. And I said to the Lord, just look at me. Look at my faults and deficiencies. Look at the things in me that need to be changed. And again and again as I prayed, the Lord said to me, have courage, be of good heart, I am with you. Maybe some of you who came on this retreat came with a feeling that you're just not up to following the gospel, that it's very beautiful, that you know it's true, but somehow you know it can't be for you, not for someone like you, not for someone with all these faults. How can God possibly be calling you? Well, that's what our Lord does. That's what he did with the fishermen in Galilee and the tax collector who left his table of coins and came to follow Jesus. We're all poor, weak sinners, lost and confused, and he is our life our light, our way. If we hear his call, if we accept his call, he will give us the kingdom. Even in spite of our human failings and weaknesses, he will teach us. He will show us how to live. He will forgive our sins when we have the grace to confess them. He will lift us up and say, peace be with you. He will be our strength every day of our lives. If only we can have faith in him. I look at all of you here today and I'm filled with such warm admiration for the faith that led you to come on this retreat. But if I'm not mistaken, probably every one of you feels, I'm just not up to this. Oh, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but really to follow Jesus, really to give him my heart and my soul, really to be transformed by his grace, really to become a new person, to leave everything and to follow him, I'm not up to it. None of us is up to it. All of us depend on his grace to change our lives, to touch our hearts, and to make us his true servants. And that is why Every one of us here in this chapel today should thank him for the great mercy he has shown us. You may consider yourself to be far from the kingdom. You may look at your faults and failings. You may think about all the times that you haven't followed Jesus and been faithful to him. But in the midst of all that, 
he says to you, lift up your hearts, be courageous, be strong, I am with you. And if Jesus is with you, no enemy can wound you. I will be a priest 40 years during the last week of August this year. And I can assure you that all of those years have been the infinite mercy and patience of God. I don't know why he chose me to follow him as a priest. I don't know why I have been called in this ministry, and yet he did call me, and his faithfulness has made all the difference. It is he who gives light to my heart and strength to my will, and it is he who gives me the grace to begin to learn how to love him and to love others. And what he did for me, he can do for all of you. Never say to yourself, it's too late for me. As long as you can hear the voice of Jesus, it's never too late. Let your life begin now, if that has to happen. Because right now, at this moment, he calls you to follow him. And he says to you what he said to his disciples in the beginning, have courage, do not be afraid, I am with you. You shall pass through the rivers and not drown. You shall go through the wilderness and the sun shall not scorch you. I shall be your light and your strength. And if Christ is with us, no enemy can defeat us. May the Lord Jesus Christ enable us during this retreat to surrender our lives to him and say, Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Here I am, Lord. I surrender my life to you. Give me your blessing now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.